They are not from outer space. There is no need for them to be. They have always been here. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about Chapter 84, Lock and Key by Arabella Anderson, directed by Rachel Talalay. Welcome back, Rachel Talalay. Good to see you. What one did she do? <laughs> yeah, she, she's uh, had some scattered episodes okay. through the show. Uh, she directed the Tank Girl film. Oh! Oh, okay. Uh, and some of the best uh, Doctor Who episodes of the the um, Peter Capaldi era. Oh. Yes. Oh, I like the good ones of the Peter Capaldi era. You know his his solo episode where yeah. he's... Yeah, that's her. Oh, fuck. I love you. <laughs> You're so good. That episode was so good. It's so good. <laughs> this episode is pretty all right. Because <laughs> we weren't on speed. <laughs> Kevin sure is. Kevin, you naughty boy. We we so, open with bad Kevin being a bad boy. So we open with some Jughead narration of that, you know, a lot can happen in seven years. Some then... things never change. Kevin's hooking up with strangers. Kevin is, uh, just, just got done ha- hooking up with a trucker dude named mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rick. Rick is is grunting and moaning while Jughead is talking, and then the the camera comes around the the corner to see them standing uh, uh, next to one another. You you know there was a cut where Kevin's wiping his mouth, like they mm, just couldn't squeeze it past <laughs> standards and practices. So, well, because wh- Rick is zipping, and the first thing Kevin does is pop a mint. Yeah, a mint, <laughs> which. I realized they were mints because mm-hmm. you didn't notice really what they were. I thought he was doing trucker speed. Have <laughs> that's, fun. That's what I was like. What what snack does he have? And you're like, he has drugs. <laughs> drugs, dear. It's drugs. And I'm like, I don't think it's drugs. Kevin probably is like Cracker Jacks or some shit. <laughs> it's the happy medium between drugs and Cracker Jacks. <laughs> mints. So we go back and look and then I'm like, it ain't, it's, it's not drugs. And that's not ca- Cracker Jacks. That's some Eltoids. I'm furious at that boy right now. I'm yeah. like, you're gonna be a father? You are in a committed relationship? What the fuck? However, we will learn he's not being as naughty as we think he is. But he's still being bad. <laughs> so uh, he, he immediately goes straight home with well, the... He makes a, a stop on the way yeah, to yeah. pick up some cereal and three different milks for Tony's pregnancy <laughs> cravings, Only- claiming he went to several locations. Only Kevin would cover up his, his you know, down-low flings by buying three kinds of milk. I, what a special boy! I got regular milk and almond milk and oat milk. And it's perfectly in character because we know Kevin loves to drink milk. This is one of the few things we know about Kevin. <laughs> Well, okay, so here's the thing. Does he just like all those different types of milk, or is it because each of them drinks a different type of milk? Oh my goodness, what kind of milk is- he's a traditional milk drinker. What kind of milk is that baby gonna drink? And, like, Fangs and Tony both prefer other varieties. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe that's it. It seems a little less crazy. He's home, and they're like, hey- are you nervous about the big announcement? And I'm like, oh my fucking god! It's gonna be my prediction. 
Like, they could not be hinting any harder that there's going to be a, f- a fatherly announcement about at least one of these two boys. Uh, and their roommate's baby. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Of, of what other baby could I be speaking? Oh. Oh, okay. You could just be like, oh, yeah, we were so excited Tony was pregnant, we decided to get a surrogate, too. Uh-uh. <laughs> she the surrogate. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile... I don't know if we're at the Andrews household or the Cooper household. It's Betty's room. It's Betty's room. Yes. Okay. So uh, Betty's there laying in bed in just her FBI t-shirt. And Archie's all like, are you ready? And she's like, I'm ready. And he comes out in sexy fireman gear. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> it, they are such a perfect match because she is not wearing pants and he is not wearing a shirt. Yep. They complete one another, you know? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he's got he's got the the pants, the big pants, the big the, suspenders, and the big helmet. helmet, and that's that's it. That's it. And he's like, yeah, let's let's get it on. And he, she's like, you know, this is a big step away from when you were eight and wanted to be a firefighter. And I'm like, maybe don't think about that. Maybe don't think about being eight when you're about to suck his dick. Maybe don't. It's a little freaky. Kevin can give you some tips and mints. So over at Pops, the the uh, doctor lady, Doctor uh, Dana Whitley, yes, who was gonna come look at you know Mothman, mm-hmm. uh, is there to talk to Jughead and Tabitha and find out why she can't look at Mothman because someone <laughs> stole Mothman. Uh, though every time he does try to say like the Mothman mummy, she's like the specimen, the specimen, the item. Let's not call it something we don't know it is. Okay. Uh, so Jughead does, you know, fill her in on, on, like, the lights and the lost time and everything. And she's like, you fucked up in the brain. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do have a support group for fucking weirdos. <laughs> so here's my card, uh, in case you want to, you know, come talk. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm- and she mentions that th- these, that lost time can be a symptom of, of repressed memories of trauma. So we're just getting a full tour of, of all, all the great pseudoscience hits of the 70s and 80s. Yes. Much like we did in the farm season, actually. I mean, like, people can zone out and it can be processing trauma that they're remembering. So is that really like a pseudoscience thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, in the case of what you're referencing, yes. But yeah. like in a, there's like a different version of it that can be like a real thing. Sure, sure. But th- this show, being the yes. show that it is, is drawing on things like the Satanic Panic and yes. the the completely invented spate of, of like molestations in daycare centers tied to Satanic cults that never yes. existed. Yes, that yeah. that's that's a different thing <laughs> than. People who have trauma processing their trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, no, not joining your support group. She's like, hey, call me. Over at the Cooper household, the twins are crafting with some pasta. These poor kids, they're so fucked up. They don't know you're supposed to eat macaroni. <laughs> Nobody is teaching these children how to exist in the world. So here's what I love is Alice is right next to them with flyers cut with their mother's face on it <laughs> that she's preparing well, they have like five pounds of pasta to work with for their art projects. Mm-hmm. It's literally bowls of uncooked noodles. She like um, emptied like five boxes. She went shopping with Kevin, the, the grocery store buddies. I had to buy every shape. Don't know what the twins are feeling today. 
Uh, they should just be crunching it like like potato chips. Just go nuts, kids. Because, hey. like, Alice has clearly not slept in all of season oh, no. five. She she is so far beyond the end of her rope, she, <laughs> she cannot see the rope anymore. No. So uh, Betty gets a call from Sheriff Keller that they found another body, and she's reassuring her mom, like, no, it's like the other ones. It's definitely been there a long time. This body looks way too gross and fucked up to be Polly. Um, so then, then, we finally get the scene I've been waiting for. For months now. Months. Months. Fangs and Kevin are in the steam room at the El Royale, I think. I'm pretty sure it said boxing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know they had a steam room, but they do. Why are they at the El Royale? I mean, we've seen it used well, before. Later on in this this episode, that's where we see them working out. They are members of the volunteer fire department sure, now. Like, sure, okay. It seems to be Fangs's gym. But there is zero reason whatsoever. <laughs> For them to have this conversation after their their before school day workout. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> These boys are wrapped in towels. And nothing else. Fangs is just like... Jesus Christ, Fangs is the hottest man alive. <laughs> fuck, like, yes. Oh my... I am so glad you agree with me there. Like, I am sorry, Casey. Like, no, no. He is much better. There's no shame in runner-up. No shame in runner-up, but... No, no. Okay, Fangs was always, like, an attractive-looking fella, but... but the way he's done his hair and his facial hair for, for the time skip... Yep. Ugh. But, but... The chiseling? He's so fucking cut. <laughs> and he's standing there with his towel just barely covering oh. things. Doing one of those, like... Captain Morgan poses yeah. for some reason. They had to make a deal with uh, uh, the FCC. You, Kevin can either wipe his mouth or you have to move uh, uh, Fangs' towel. He can't have both. And they... T- they made the, <laughs> they right, made the choice. right choice. And the thing is, is I was so excited about the scene because I all I saw was like a preview photo behind the scenes of like them spraying down Casey. <laughs> I didn't even know about Fangs. And I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Uh, <laughs> but we cannot deny that Kevin is looking good. And Fangs knows it. He starts the scene by saying, your lats are looking huge, babe. <laughs> That's the first line. Yes. It's brilliant. Yes, he's just like Captain Morgan in the bench. <laughs> hey, babe. Nice lats, brah. I love it. <laughs> and um, then they have, again, a conversation about their future and their new chapter. There's basically a flashing neon sign that says, baby, baby. Having a baby. And, and basically this whole conversation is where we find out they were in an open relationship. They had been. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It seems like Kevin wanted to end that. And Fangs is now like, yeah, I'm total. I want to be monogamous now. Mm-hmm, I wanted to be mm-hmm. just committed to our family. This is great. You know, it'll be wonderful. And Kevin is not very comfortable, it seems like. <laughs> Because someone knows what he's been up to and not talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mean having the open relationship that they, they have and uh, follow, abiding by all the rules of it? I'm not sure he's abiding by all the rules of it. All the rules we know of. To be fair, we only know one rule by the end of the show. By the end of the show, it seems like we do know that when they are open, mm-hmm. they are open. 
but it seems like they know about what each other's doing. Mm-hmm, seems mm-hmm. like Fangs was all. Fangs t- seemed to be the one that was taking advantage of it. It seems like Kevin knew about what Fangs was doing and, and who he was doing. I mean, we'll get to it, but Fangs also knows that Kevin has been cruising th- during yes. their three open years. Everybody so, knows that. Everybody knows some things. Does everybody know an equal amount of things? It is undefined. So it's a little confusing why, if this is a situation, Kevin, why don't you just say something so then you don't have guilt? Yeah. <laughs> Also, look at your fucking boy there. <laughs> look at Why the boy. Why do you need someone else? Look at the. I like, want to look at the boy. I want to touch the boy. I want to touch the boy. He has out. Everyone else has failed me in the abs. How about that? His lats are also looking huge, babe. <laughs> Quick little scene where Betty calls Alice and confirms it's not Polly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happens. We get Betty out in the field. It is, it is definitely not Polly. And then it's Veronica's and turn. And then it's Veronica's turn. And she gets a chat from Chad. Yeah, she is uh, at work uh, uh, visiting jewelry wholesale websites to, to fill out her opening stock. Like when, you do. When she gets a boring-ass chat from, from Chad, just like, how was your day, dude? It was so boring. We went back and I was like, okay, it's going to be something really, like, gross. and Yeah, he's going to say something fucking dickish. Like, I want dickish. you to have my babies with my dick. Or something, and you'll be like, oh. Or, or like, there, there'll be a, a visual gag on the screen with some sort of jewelry pun. No, nothing. Just, how's, how, how'd you sleep? You having a nice morning? Missed opportunity. Boring. Uh, Veronica yells at her computer. <laughs> Not now, Chad. <laughs> and summons Smithers. I need change in my life. Get me the Andrews boy to tear down the walls. Uh, and yeah, so she's like, I want to tear it all down. Mm-hmm, Everything. Mm-hmm. My entire apartment. You know. Or am I origami? Fold it up and just pretend. You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, so you really are going to take advantage of your friend who's doing this for free <laughs> because he's supposed to repay you for football uniforms, which was a donation that you're definitely writing off on your taxes. What the fuck? I was so upset at Chad when, when he got Archie to agree to this. But you know an agreement's an agreement. Uh. <laughs> Not cool. They're they're in the uh, they're going over all the plans in the the teachers' lounge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jughead comes in with his snack. Yes. Very very old high schooly Jughead. Now that they're in the teachers' lounge, I think the snacks are free. <laughs> no, they're not. Teachers don't get free snacks. They do when Cheryl is is paying for the school. I don't think they. Get she free provides snacks. for hobo. She would only provide, like, syrup. (laughs) Um, What do you think he's eating? It's syrup chips. You know, it's probably as those, like, Lay's maple-flavored, like, whatever ones. So so he's there looking over what they're doing, and then Betty comes in and is checking out what they're doing, and there's a very good, like, hey. Hey, it's the four of us sitting around a couch. Whoa. Well, I was thinking more of, like, Jughead's, like, Hey, Betty. <laughs> There's also there one was, of those. There, there is one of those. There is a little, little acknowledgement there. I mean, he's never seen her with her hair down until they, they came back to be teachers together. Yes, he has. They ha- uh, During sexy times. Oh, that's what it reminds him of. Yeah. Hey. It's, it's Pavlovian. If only people could see my eyebrows right now. Much like Pavlov's dog, he drooling. Cheryl also joins and she's like, why the fuck were we summoned here? And then Kevin and Fangs and Tony come in. I like Kevin's flannel look. Yeah. 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 So uh, Kevin and Fangs are like, we're engaged. But that's not all of it. 
we're having a baby. But that's not all of it. We're having it's, this baby. This baby right here is a, is a baby. And this is where I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Congratulations, dear. But you I called missed, it immediately. I missed one thing. It's not. Tony is not just like their surrogate. They have decided to to trio the mm-hmm. raising of this child. This, this is their child. This all baby three of will have one mama, two daddies, and between them, eight incomes. She go go to college, <laughs> Full, fully paid for. It'll be great. It's very sweet. It's, it's very, very sweet. nice. Everybody's so excited. overjoyed. Very Except happy. Except Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl marches into Tony's gigantic office. It's really nice. Kicks open the fucking door. I don't know if it's nice, but it is spacious. That's it's very for sure. spacious. Yeah. It's, it, it should be a classroom. She could but they put don't a, have enough students, so that became her office. She could put a lot of ficuses all around. She could have a jungle in there. I could, I could teach her the ways of the plant babies. But Cheryl is incensed. Uh, uh, she thinks she deserved to, to be told. She deserved to have warning. And, you know, this changes so much of their relationship. Does it? Does it really, Cheryl? This closes off all sorts of opportunities. Does it? Does it really? She's a co-parent, not a romantic partner to the boys. Yeah. Well, and and so Tony's like, well, I wanted to tell you, but it didn't seem like we exactly had that relationship anymore. Yeah. This episode is all about how fucking awful Cheryl is, and I love it. Tony putting up boundaries. I, that's my favorite part of this rather good episode. It just <laughs> demonstrates. It doesn't tell. It very clearly demonstrates how fucking awful Cheryl is uh, with anything regarding people or relationships or thoughtfulness. Uh, so what we find out is that Tony uh, found out he, she has some unnamed medical condition mm-hmm. that makes it really hard for her to get pregnant the older she gets that's somehow different just from normal aging. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if she was to ever have a baby, uh, she was told she, she better get to work on that. Yes. And so Kevin and Fangs were talking about adopting or surrogacy and everything, and then... And she volunteers as tribute. Yes. And they're like, hey, let's let's do this. You know, like, Fangs is like her family... They're, they're all really close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Tony ends this whole thing where, like, maybe you and I could still make things work. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl just, like, storms off that that's not possible. Right, right. Now that Kevin has a, a plot, you know, Kevin seems to be a, a main character for this episode... Ne- ne- never mind. He's still he's still just here for Betty to have someone to gush about boys too. Yeah. Well, so th- they're chatting, and he's like, "You know, I always thought it would be like one of you all that had like the first baby, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. me." And then she decides that, like, okay, I-, I have the secret I need to tell you. And he's like, "Oh my god, you're getting back together with Jughead? What the fuck?" No. Archie and I are fucking like all the time. Uh, and he's dressing up in costumes and everything. <laughs> He just gets all the news. Uh, so then we go check in on Jughead. Yes. Who is teaching about Slaughterhouse Five? Yes. I love. I love that they maintain the tradition that whatever is being taught in English class is immediately applicable to the drama at hand. Yes. And Slaughterhouse Five is a much weirder one than, say, The Scarlet Letter or or Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> I've actually never read Slaughterhouse Five. 
<laughs> so, so he is giving a, a lecture about you know the, the main character's predicament and how it may be a case of you know his heightened perception, his his true vision of the world, or maybe, and he zones out and sees a flash of a fucking alien Mothman creature. Yes. It has clear, like, Ridley Scott xenomorph uh, uh, influence. Like, it has it, an external rib cage, and there's... Uh, uh, it I, is the best, most fucking terrifying thing ever, and I love it. It's It reminds me also of, like, the sand people in Earth 2. <laughs> but, like, Arctic sand people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Snow people, I guess. Like, there's very little detail, right? Like he's seeing him at a distance. They're they're clear it's to not mirror, show it or in not mirror a window. Yeah, to to not show it in sharp focus or anything. You know, following the monster rules, especially for a first appearance. But what details he do get are like, yeah, somebody did good. All right, all right. It was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he sees that he loses like you know his train of thought, and then goes back to, like, they're like, oh, this is what you were talking about, the character. Like, oh, yeah, the the second theory is that he's just fucking nuts. Uh, uh, end of the scene. And so then the next thing we see is him calling the lady and being like, (laughs) you know, maybe I should join your support group. I'm, uh, when you meeting? Uh, there's an alien auditing my class. Uh, I I feel like I should talk to somebody about that. (laughs) So meanwhile, Cheryl is back at home, and she is painting... Minerva. Yes, Minerva Marble is uh, uh, <laughs> blackmailing Cheryl into painting her. She just wants a commission. <laughs> she just wants to have an original Cheryl Blossom masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, I guess, be therapy for Cheryl, because then Cheryl lets loose about Tony and mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. you know, she feels manipulated because she's lured <laughs> out of the house. I love Miss Marble and how fucking awful she is. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, oh, your ex is happy now? That must be so hard for you. You should fuck her up. You should just ruin her whole life. It sucks so bad that she would have the the absolute gall to be happy sometimes. What the fuck is her problem, Cheryl? (laughs) Cheryl found her people. She found her. Uh, This is not a healthy influence. So meanwhile, Veronica gets a call from her bestie, Katie Keene. She doesn't just, like, get a phone call. We get, like, a a Lucy Hale audio cameo. It's her. We actually hear her. Uh, And she is calling because she just ran into Chad out to lunch with uh, Spiffany's heiress. (laughs) And she's like, should I pour hot coffee on his dick? No, she does not ask. She says it's exactly what's going to happen. And Veronica's like, hell yeah, it is. I'm trying not to incriminate her. <laughs> Veronica decides, okay, let me go back to my apartment where Archie and Jackson are working well, and take... She, she she tells Katie Key and they're like, yeah, he's trying to make me jealous. Two can play at that game. And I'm thinking, yeah, you should also date the Spiffany's heiress. <laughs> but no, she decides to go back to her apartment where Archie and Jackson are, you know, doing construction <laughs> things. You know, working for money. Not for money. Not for They're money. not getting paid. Maybe, uh, maybe you, ja- I don't even think Jackson's getting paid. Jackson should be getting paid. He's working off his Sarge's debt. He's debt. Li- he's living on VA disability checks. Can you? Can we give the boy a job? Obviously not. Um. And so what she decides to do is she's like, oh, 
let, let's document our reno journey together, boys. Mm-hmm. Take a photo for my followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so she takes a big old selfie with the three of them and gets them flexing like big hunky bros. Yep. I'm sure she's like tagging Chad in that. The message is all in the hashtags. Because just the image alone would still read very much like, hell yeah, girl boss working on the site. Not necessarily. I hate the term girl boss. I hate it. Yep. I never want to hear it again. But you know Veronica has it as a tattoo somewhere. That is absolutely <laughs> Veronica's old deal. I fucking hate that term. I hate any, like... Shiro. I went, I Shiro. Yes. I went off on Twitter about this recently. <laughs> Girl boss, Shiro. Like, no, no, none of that is empowering. That is all degrading. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, I'm done. They all get interrupted by a text from Cheryl, who's inviting them to the White Worm that night for drinks. For drinky poo. So they they all go. Jackson and Archie have a little convo about how like, ooh, Archie's juggling two ladies. I see you interested in both of them. It's amazing. It is amazing that it takes this show 85 episodes to get to the the love triangle uh, upon which 75 years of stories (laughs) are built. I mean, the fifth season, it it happens for the first time. No, no, and it doesn't even last the whole fucking episode. Like, like not really. That kind of is like the pilot. Okay, all right, and then eighty three episodes in between, and now it's back. I will let that pass. <laughs> um, Cheryl also apologizes to Tony for being so cuckoo with her earlier and she's like hey can I host you and the boys a modest celebration you know to celebrate you all and Tony's like yeah okay so then Cheryl gets up on the stage she does not get up on a stage she gets up on a pool table wearing spike heels on the felt top Tony yell at her that probably happens a lot actually it shouldn't that's against the rules. Seems like the type of bar that would happen a lot, actually. Well, that pool table is, is no longer welcome at any tournament in which I participate. So Cheryl goes off about how that they are diving into adulthood with, you know, babies and All the babies. And stuff. The marriages. So it's time to throw one last party. Uh, you know, let's let's channel her iconic spin the bottle parties of back when. Speaking of the pilot, yeah. And Jughead's like, aren't we too fucking old for that shit? And she's like, yes, which is why we are going to have a key party. We are going to have a good old sexu- sexual switcheroo. So Spoiler, they don't, actually. She's like, I'm going to text you the deets and uh, bring your keys in your oiled libidos. <laughs> Literally, why would anyone go to this party? We're going to have a lot of scenes between this and the actual party where a lot of characters try to justify why they're going to the party. I don't buy a single (laughs) fucking one. No one should go to this party. They're all bored. (laughs) Apparently there's absolutely nothing else to do and none of them have discovered like how nice it is actually just to stay home. (laughs) Read a book if you're bored. Go to the lake. You might find a dead body. And that's like three months of your life right there. Uh, Betty goes home. Mm-hmm. She walks into her bedroom. She sees Polly. Yeah. Polly on her bed. With her nice fluffy coat. And and freaking out. And like, you can't be here. He go find you. Like, who's going to find me? 
TBK, he's here. He's after me. And then Betty gets fucking stabbed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she wakes up. Of course it's, it's a fake out. Of course yeah. it's a nightmare. Yeah. Would you expect anything less? It's, it's, come on now. So she sees Archie's light on next door and texts him. He comes running over thinking it's a booty call. I would love to see him just leap through the windows. <laughs> just over the, the fence. Yeah. <laughs> just a ru- just run and jump. Yeah. That's how Jason Bourne answers booty calls. What I appreciate is that they've always, like, texted each other to get each other's attention in their room, and they never had one of those, like, we we throw rocks at each other, <laughs> or whatever. Just an air horn. <laughs> 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 really or, like, let me flash my flashlight at you in Morse code. Two honks means my mom's asleep. It, <laughs> it won't be true after you hear the signal, but... All honks means my mom's not asleep anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he comes over, thinks it's a booty call, but quickly realizes that, like, something's up. There might be feelings. And, you know, she's like, yeah, there's a nightmare, but I don't want to talk about it. I just want to fuck. She's, she says she just wants to forget. Fuck. I, I know, it's hard to admit a mistake, but the word no, is forget. No, They're gonna fuck. <laughs> And, and just because Archie doesn't know a lot of, you know, things, doesn't mean he's an expert on forgetting, Betty. That's not how it works. Uh, and so they smooch, and they're obviously going to get hot and heavy, and I'm just like, maybe close the fucking door. <laughs> there are babies sleeping here in this house. And your mom. Oh, I'm sure that the twins are attached to Alice by bungee cords at this point. <laughs> She keeps them on, like, the leashes that you see at, like, amusement parks with babies. Like, I can't blame people for putting their kids on leashes at amusement parks. Mm-hmm. I can judge them when they're just, like, at a playground, though. It's a problem when they're in different uh, uh, seats on the tilt-a-whirl, though. Somebody's gonna, like, <laughs> get decapitated. Uh, so the next morning, Archie's back at home. He's making breakfast. Jackson's all like, oh, I didn't think you'd be up already. He's like, I never slept because I was getting uh, so... Uh, uh. <laughs> Jackson loves how much sex the sergeant is getting. <laughs> he is so into he's it. He's like, yeah, dude. Uh, and so he he's like, you know, though, you were right. There, There's still something me- between me and Veronica. Like, I wouldn't do anything because she's married, but there's something there. Over at the El Royale slash firehouse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fangs and Kevin are working out. Yes. Very sweaty. Mm. Uh, bench press. Spot me, brah. Oh, my lats are so hot, dude. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, and so Kevin is like, well, for this key party, like, you you should totally bring one of your, your, your trucker hookups. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you should. Yeah. He's like, why would I do that? We've been in a closed relationship since, like, yesterday. <laughs> why now? What's going on? It, it, it should have been two days ago, but we're, we're past that point. We crossed a line, bud. Fiance. Kevin tries to say, like, well, before, like, you know, we become fathers and husbands, like, let's just get everything out of our system one last time. One last, let's just blow our load, so to speak, also literally. Come on. Fangs is, like, very confused by all of this. I'm very confused yeah. by all of this. Yeah. Everyone is confused. I think Kevin's even confused about Kevin's it. Kevin's very confused. It doesn't stop him. There's an upcoming scene where he admits to being very confused by what he's doing and why. <laughs> 
Uh, so Betty uh, does come home to a very uh, hysterical Alice. Yes. Who claims that she got a call from Polly, who was talking a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, About where she's being held. She doesn't know where it is. But, but she it's, did, it's, it's dark and it's smooth and it's cold. And it quite frankly, it sounded like a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> she just runs over that line like you're not supposed to, to notice it. But come on, that's that's a hint. Yeah. That's a big glowing hint. Yeah. I, so is it Edgar or is it the Mothman? Edgar is doesn't have same? nearly a big enough spaceship to have a telephone what, in it. What if Edgar, I guess this is a prediction, uh-huh. what if Edgar was like a, a scout for the Mothman? What if? What if he was? All I want is for Alice to be bringing the same intensity, the, the same vibe to her day job as a television news reporter. I don't think she has a day job anymore. I'm reporting live from, from Stonewall Prep School where the football team... Has just won their fourth game of the year. We're all very, very proud of them. Because they only, they're the only ones that win here. The only ones. I'm interviewing <laughs> Coach Reginald Mantle. Reggie, what do you have to say for yourself? I mean, what what do you attribute your success to? <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cut the kids' foreheads open, I slap Jingle Jangle in there, and they'll, they'll just hit anybody for any reason. I just gotta point them in the right direction. Just kinda give them a shove and they keep going. Uh, so Jughead uh, goes to the uh, missing time support group. <laughs> yeah, yes, actually, that's that's exactly what this is. Uh, so someone else is sharing about how they you know, lost time. And then, uh, what's her name turns to him? Dr. Dana. Yes, Dr. Dana's all like, hey, weren't you missing time too? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us about it? And so, like, he he does, but it's very, like, dismissive, and, you know, I probably just fell asleep. She's like, you know, blackouts can be very common. Have you ever had a blackout before? And then his, like, mind goes back to another flash of... This, this Mothman creature in a completely different context. Yes. Some, something that we've never seen before. I don't know. Whoa. And and he, he runs out of there. Yeah, he flips his shit and just beelines out the door. Tabitha came with him, which I didn't realize until they were like in the parking lot that that's, <laughs> she was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some support groups let you have a plus one, you know, for, for the instant coffee and the tea bags. <laughs> I mean, it's nice of her to support him. I was just kind of... I, at first, I thought it was a different girl that ran after him. I was like, wait, no, that's Tabitha. She's incredibly supportive. She is the only good boss in the world. She runs after him. Like, I can tell when someone struck a nerve and they struck a nerve with you. So, like, what's going on? And he's like, well, I did black out before, but I didn't want to talk about it there. And she's like, well, talk to me. So, uh, everything I said about the relative subtlety of, of Jughead uh, having a, a substance abuse plotline goes out the window. <laughs> they they just f- pedal to the metal in this episode. It he We will see him stumbling around. We, we haven't yes. seen him unable to perform at work, but that's like the one thing left. Um, so, he tells us about when he was in New York City, how he was, you know, going pretty hard. He was drinking. He was doing drugs. Jingle jangle. Other, other hard stuff. Uh, and he did a lot of things he doesn't remember. There's a lot of lost time. And then he's like, we should go to that key party. And Tabitha says, maybe we should absolutely not do that. And he says, mm, nah. 
I need to forget about this alien crap. And by that, I mean I need to go get drunk. And my, Cheryl has booze. My recent uh, uh, tragic substance abuse is haunting me currently, so I better go for some, quote, wanton debauchery. That seems like a great idea. And it's clearly not, but Tabitha's like, okay, I'm not your mom, but I can be your chaperone, you fucking weirdo. I'll be your designated driver. Yeah. Yeah. Veronica's finally decided to, you know, help out her free labor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is helping to put some plaster on a wall. Because Jackson's not there. It's a two-person job, I guess. She's chatting with Archie, talking about, like, Kevin and Fang's announcement and how, like, it, you know, it really makes her think about the things she's missed out on in her life. And, like, what about you, Archie? Do you feel like you're missing out on things? Such as uh, a, a raven-haired beautiful girl. Such as a dad ass. And also, why is Archie's hair so orange? <laughs> he fell in the Cheeto pile. It looks like his hair got spray painted. He looks electric. I. This is like the worst dye job ever. It's so orange. I'm going to blame any production weirdness on COVID restrictions, whether it makes sense or not. Okay. Yeah. Archie's like, oh, is, uh, is Chad coming to the key party? And Veronica's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why? Is your dipshit husband, who you don't like, coming to this key party? It's kind of a Veronica move to be like, well, odds are he's going to watch me go home with another dude. That would be fun. Fuck his ass. Yeah, but like, you're not going to have any fun. No fun whatsoever. No fun, because he's there. Why are we trusting Cheryl to host an emotionally safe and open event? Have we met Cheryl fucking Blossom? So it is time for this key party. A bunch of them are already there. Mm-hmm. Jughead and Tabitha arrive. Jughead's first line is, where's the booze as he runs inside? <laughs> He's fine. He doesn't have a problem. He's totally okay and in control. Reggie shows up. Reggie is joining this party. Yeah, yeah. Betty and Kevin are enjoying some some drinks, and she's like, hey, where's where's Fangs? Oh, he's bringing a date. Why is Fangs bringing a date, Kevin, my friend? I have no fucking idea. Kevin gives three answers. None of them are good. He doesn't understand himself either, and, like, it's really easy to make Kevin into this internally conflicted mystery that doesn't understand himself, because we have spent five years not understanding him either. Yeah. As a side effect of having no focus. Yeah. He's had like three half episodes about Kevin in all this time. Yes. So it's a lot of like, well, it's to see if you know, he would follow through on it, or it's to see for him to see what he'd be giving up to be with me, or for or maybe the, I'm just punishing myself for you don't got to know about that. Goodness. I don't know. I'm just a messy little bitch who loves drama. I don't know. So Chad shows up and he goes to Archie and he's like, bro to bro. The shit-ass town has some, uh, hot, smoking hot females. He says females. Chad says females. He says podunk town. (laughs) And what I love is Archie just walks the fuck away. (laughs) It's just like... Archie's great. Archie's great. This party, though, man, this is not the, shall we say, demographic that I would want at a key party. For one thing, ladies kind of outnumbered. A number of the ladies that are there are lady exclusive. Well, I don't know about Minerva, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cheryl. Yeah. 
I'm just saying, it's a good thing a lot of the guys here are gay because there's a lot of guys here. Yes. Fangs comes with his date, which is totally Rick yeah. from the truck. They have a mutual acquaintance, you might say. Uh, and so, like, Fangs introduces him and... Rick and Kevin both decide to not let it be known that they know each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's the fun little moment where uh, Rick, you know, talks to Betty and says, oh, so nice to meet you. And then pauses, looks at Kevin, both. So nice to meet you both. And, and Kevin runs out to buy everyone drinks from the free <laughs> bar. It's a little joke. Yes, because he cannot handle the stress he's given himself. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's party time, and mm-hmm. uh, Cheryl gives a speech about how uh, we, we are know, approaching the the true adulthood, our thirties, and soon after mortality <laughs> and the grave. The impending crush of adulthood. <laughs> Cheryl, I'm thirty three. I don't feel death upon my doorstep happy already. Happy birthday, dear. Everybody say happy birthday. Thank you. It was recently the, my birthday. The big day was Sunday. Happy birthday, dear. So for all you youngins out there, death does not come a knock in as soon as you turn to 33, unlike the media would like you to think. Arthritis apparently does, according to Cheryl in, in this speech. I will say my knees have been killing me this week. <laughs> But I don't think that has anything to do with me being 33. That is just my life. But I have been popping a lot of a leaf. So Cheryl also lays out the rules. Everybody puts their keys in a bowl. Everything's consensual. Everybody will come up one by one, grab keys out of the bowl. And whoever that is, you get to hang out with for the night. You do whatever you want. Everybody gets a hall pass. You do whatever you want to do. Everybody is allowed to do anything you and your partner desire. Hey, Cheryl, aren't you always allowed to do whatever you and your partner desire? I'm not sure Cheryl understands. Cheryl, are you a cop? What the fuck? So uh, Minerva brings over the keys and uh, Veronica goes first and she gets Archie's keys. I'm wondering why Nana Rose wasn't invited. Let's just throw a, re- a real curveball in there. Oh my god, I would have loved that, and I would have loved for Reggie to get her. Everybody walking up to the bowl, like, come on, come on, big money, no whammies, let's go, no whammies. No, I would have loved that because then it totally would have been like a Stifler's mom thing. <laughs> like, Reggie just would have been like, yeah, I, ba- I banged that, I did it, that was great. And then Cheryl would have killed him. Oh yes, oh yes. But Nana Rose would have been like, hey, sweet thing. And you want to come back again? When's your nice when you, when's your nice little friend going to come back? Nana Rose would walk again. <laughs> she would jump out of her wheelchair, much like Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And and Reggie would turn blue and his eyes would be sunken in. <laughs> As the life force is sucked out of him. Oh my god, why did they do this? It would have been so good. But yeah, so Veronica gets Archie's keys, and Chad's instantly the like... The hell you were! And Archie's all like, Leave her alone! She's mine! Well, she's my wife, and so uh, uh, Veronica breaks the only rule, which is no take-backsies. And so she goes and grabs Chad's keys and is like, Fine, we're leaving! This is poor game design, because everybody can look into the bowl, <laughs> and everybody's familiar with each other, you know what each other's key rings are. There's nothing random here. Everybody's just picking partners. Now Jughead's turn, uh, but he is incredibly fucking drunk. He nearly trips over the table and breaks his face open. 
So uh, Tabitha's like, I'm going to take him home. And Cheryl's like, no, you can't. And so he picks keys, he just, and they're Tabitha's he, keys. He so sort she, of slurs out, like, no, I want to do it. I don't know. Slap it. Slap the bowl. And he gets her keys, and she's like, okay, now we're leaving. <laughs> Nobody Fuck likes you. your party, Cheryl. Your party sucks and is bad. So uh, Jackson gets called up. Mm-hmm. He seems very excited. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Jackson's gonna score. And Jackson's gonna get Reggie. Oh, all right. No, he no. gets Minerva. He gets Minerva. He's I'm so pre- fucking pumped. I'm pretty sure they had some extremely fun times. <laughs> I bet he did jump up like Grandpa Joe, like in his head at least. Like yeah. he was doing heel clicks and. So now it's Reggie's turn, and Reggie is all like, you know, I gotta get up there. Pickens are getting slim. He picks up keys. Doesn't he turn to Tony and he's like, Tony, it's you, right? And she's like, no. No, But he does correctly identify they are trucker keys and serpent keys because they are Fangs' keys. Yes. Yes. He has a good eye for trucker keys. Reggie goes straight up to uh, Fangs and is like, no promises, but we'll see what happens tonight. And does the most, like, seductive kiss. (laughs) Reggie's fucking game, you know? Re- it's like, let's let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. Reggie's a try-anything-once kind of guy. And so leads Fangs off as Kevin's mouth is just hanging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I say try-anything-once, that does include the New York criminal code. He's just going down <laughs> one by one. Like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, all right. Reggie has had the most character growth on this show. <laughs> he has had the biggest journey well, that's what happens when he, he had a total body metamorphosis uh, in between the first two seasons. Well, I also mean since high school. Okay. He turned into a criminal mastermind. Well, well let's not go that far. Let's not go that far. A criminal, yes. He turned into a criminal and went from like, I'm going to punch you because you're gay, to, you know. I could be gay. Uh, I've never tried it. Let's, let's find let's out see. if I'm gay. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I'm open to this. Biggest journey, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We're running out of folks here, folks. Kevin goes and he gets the cruiser guy. He gets Rick. Mm -hmm. So no surprise there. Ho-hum. Betty gets Archie. Cheryl gets Tony. Yeah, yeah. There are no surprises in here. This is why it should have been... If if I was writing this, I would have done like random draw names out of a bowl and just see where the plot takes you. Yeah. Tony's totally like, you fucking planned this. Yeah. Like, Which I don't buy any of this shit. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're totally right. Those keys were not in that bowl until like two seconds ago. So everybody's left. Some people happier than others. And Cheryl's like, hey, uh, fate says what fate says, baby. Let me show you what I got prepared. Did I say prepared? Oh, I meant fate. It's it's fine. Don't worry about it. So she takes her off through the house because she has a super surprise for her. And it is a nursery. <laughs> And Cheryl! Of, of course it's a fucking creep fest of a nursery. Oh, it, yeah. it goes without saying. Oh yeah, I'm just waiting for Julian to pop out of the corner. Everything's like black ebony, uh, uh, dark cherry wood, and, and just depressing ass uh, uh, wallpaper. Yes. You are not going to have a happy baby in here. She's like, this This is my gift to you, where, where we can be together and raise the baby. And Tony's like... With or without the baby's dads. Did, did you... Plan all this just to, like, hurt Kevin and Fangs? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And her response is, yes. Yes, I did. So Cheryl's like, you know, I couldn't figure (laughs) out. I couldn't figure out why I've been so, like, 
fixated on needing to fix up Thornhill, but then I realized it needed to be restored for this baby, for you, for us to be together, for us to bring up this baby here. And, and Tony, hearing in, in plain language spelled out, yes, I did this to hurt your co-parents on purpose, finally realizes that Cheryl is too bad. Cheryl is bad for her and should be left behind. I'm trying to kidnap your baby and you <laughs> and break up your family. Remember that time I kind of kidnapped you and, and stuck you in a basement with my dead brother and my other brother's ghost? Well, you know what? Tony does. Tony definitely remembers. She mentions those. She mentions that time explicitly. And so she storms the fuck out like she should. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tony, remember when she also said she was definitely gaslighting you with those words? Yes. Uh, Kevin's outside with Rick. At a gazebo. Chatting. And uh, Rick is the nicest guy. He's like, you know, that... that that Fangs, he's a really, he's a keeper. He's going to be a great dad. Does this baby need three dads? <laughs> you know, three dads, one mom, like, just turn it into the expanse. Have a nice <laughs> farm in Colorado. <laughs> we need like four more moms, I think, but we can make that happen. We can make it work. It's fine. But yeah, so th this guy's just speaking so fondly of, of Fangs, and Kevin just does not know how to handle it. And he's so supportive of them, you know, like, uh, uh, being exclusive now. That's so great for you guys. Oh, you're gonna get married? Oh, man, I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm so glad I got to know you guys, and I really hope the best for you. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Kevin just can't handle it. No, he's melting down. <laughs> so Tabitha takes Jughead home. Yeah, where we see that Tabitha really does take her work home with her, uh, both uh, her only employee and a, a bag of Pops takeout is, is on the side table. I assume she has other employees. <laughs> she has to sleep at some point. I haven't seen them. I, I don't know. I haven't seen them either, but like, okay, maybe she called in Pop Tate to like sub. Hey, like, uh, hey, I gotta take one day off. Grandpa, I hate to bother you, but me and one of your special guys are going to a sex party and things are gonna get <laughs> real fucking wild. Yeah, I know I called you yesterday for therapy, but sex party now. Oh, Tabitha, you think you maybe got those two in the wrong order? Some people go to therapy after the sex party. Yeah, yeah, can you come in on Thursday too? You're right, you're absolutely right. So Jughead's like, well, completely trashed. You know, do you think I, I really had a close encounter? Mm. And she's like, I don't know, but you definitely got some trauma going on. And I think you need to talk to a professional. And before she's done saying this, he's already out. Yeah, he's just passed out. So she tucks him in. Oh, when um, are they going to smooch? Soon. I, I mean, I think the reason it's taken this long is because they're setting it up to be a very serious thing. Yeah. Ma maybe a whole length of season thing, but like, it's got to be soon. They got to smooch soon. I, I like that they're taking the time and mm -hmm, building mm -hmm. the friendship. Yes. I think that's very important. I like it so much that I'd be interested in them swerving and they never smooch. They just become like the best of pals and co-workers. That'd also be fine too. Uh, so Kevin goes home to Fangs. Uh, Fangs is home early because it turns out Reggie is 100% straight. I wonder how much time he spent, you know, just like... Maybe if you turn to the left, or... I just want to know what happened. How far did they get with anything? Attempt number one, lights on. Attempt number two, lights off. Attempt number three, Barry Manilow. Attempt number four, Barry White. 
Attempt number five, poison? <laughs> Killer or the music? Poison poison was attempt number seven. Oh, okay. Fang, Fangs apparently got home pretty early because of all that. Kevin is finally ready to share. He, yeah, he, he, he ain't ready to get married. You know, the thing he said he wanted to do. Uh, he's not really ready to be exclusive, that other thing he said he wanted to do. And he's not sure he's ready to be a father. That thing he said he wanted to do. And uh, got a lady pregnant because of. This is... Fangs is... It's heartbreaking. We, Looking at Fangs' face during all this is so fucking heartbreaking. Over the last, what, three seasons, we have complimented Drew Ray Tanner as a background comic actor so many times. Uh-huh. But he, in his first real dramatic scene, he fucking kills it. Oh my... This scene is so good. It is heartbreaking and it only works because he's not doing it alone like yeah casey cott is holding up and his his also end. as well they're great they're both I, great at fucking destroying their relationship this, and tearing each other's hearts out I, i'm pretty sure this is one of the oh like God. most crushing scenes this scene is great it's such a different level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than other things. And Fangs is so committed to their relationship, but also the entire family, to Tony, to the baby. Yeah. His, he's clearly hurting himself, but his thoughts are with them and with Kevin. While Kevin is entirely sucked into himself, he doesn't know why he's feeling the way he's feeling. He just knows that he is. And it is time to say it. Time was some time ago, my guy, but I better late than never. But is it better late than never? Fangs might disagree at this point. Well, and what you say about how, like, Fangs is so focused on, on them as a whole, as a family, his last line is, why are you imploding us when you pushed for all of this? Yes. Like, imploding us. Like, he, he doesn't talk about himself. He talks about them. Yes. This, what they've created is, and Kevin has no answers for he, any of his questions. He, he, he just, legitimately does not know. He just starts repeating that he's sorry, he's sorry, sorry, and he just runs off. He's he's so he's so messed up. He's so messed up. It's the opening of End of Eva. <laughs> it's just oh, the, it, my boys. The boys. My boys. The incredibly sexy boys. My incredibly sexy daddy boys. Oh, the daddy boys. Oh, daddy boys. The new hot <laughs> dad squad. Your hips, your hips are calling, oh, daddy boys. <laughs> From ab to ab and across those big sweet lats. And, like, I just can't. We don't get it in this. Like, we don't get a scene where, like, Tony finds out about it. But, I like, I just can't Oh, imagine. next week. Oh, next week. Is, uh, all I can hope is that, like, Sheriff Keller has a good heart-to-heart -heart with oh his boy. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Which would be, we, like, there's nothing I love more. We need to bring the true daddy. Than, than Sheriff Keller being a daddy. <laughs> He's such a good daddy. It's all about the daddies. <laughs> and not in, like, the, like, weird way it's all about the fathers the fathers that's the hot father squad how about that is that better hot father squad <laughs> sounds like that show that peggy hill would watch all the time oh yeah. <laughs> but you know the spinoff where there's more than one yeah yeah but that's not the only relationship that needs work right now no. we got some friends with benefits to uh, have their benefits revoked yes Yes. So, uh, Betty and Archie are together. 
trying to decide, like, okay, we're we gonna fuck or not, like we've been doing. I uh, feel like if we have sex one more time, we might catch feelings. What do you think about that? Yeah, so Archie's like, hey, I need to be honest with you. I still have feelings for Veronica. Uh, Betty's like, you know, this all makes sense. My darkness is going to overtake you. Yeah, yeah. So like... I, sh- I quote, I don't want my darkness to overtake you. That is the archiest thing anyone but Archie has ever said. Yeah. He would have said that, like, last season. They really are a match. And, like... Well, no, two seasons ago, he would have said that shit. <laughs> and, like, she is saying it in an effort to prove that they are not a good match. They're, but it only demonstrates how alike they are. They're too alike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because their darknesses would be at battle with each other. <laughs> Constantly. Care Bear stare of darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until the Which I think explodes. was in the movie. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did they have to Care Bear stare down darkness? I'm probably. It's been a really long time since I've seen that that movie. The Care Bears were technically before our time, and as a boy, it did not get carried over until I was old enough. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but like the Care Bears were big in like '85 or something, right? I mean, yeah, I think those movies were from the '80s, but I watched them. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Care Bear cousins. Oh, well, we all love the Care Bear Cousins. That, that lion guy, great, great guy. They're all so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, the movie where they meet the Care Bear Cousins. There's more than one movie? Aren't there like three Care Bear movies? Damn. Hold on, let's look this up. I love how we spend an hour and a half talking about a forty about 40 <laughs> minutes of television every week. <laughs> the Care Bear movie in 1985. Called it, Exactly. We had Care Bear Movie 2, A New Generation, 1986. Uh-huh. Care Bear's Adventure in Wonderland, 1987. So these were an annual event, you're saying. But yeah, so there were three, which makes sense that I remember them all. Because <laughs> <laughs> you always remember things in threes. That's why that makes sense. So the orphans hear a story about the Care Bears and care a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't this know. This is where they meet the Care Bear Cousins. They do meet the Care Bear Cousins in that movie. Okay. 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 So then Care Bear Movies 2, A New Generation. Isn't this the one where they get like, it's like Care Bears from the other side of the rainbow? How would I know? <laughs> You're the one looking at the Wikipedia page. Before the defeat of the spirit's evil plans, aboard their boat, a yellow bear and a purple horse look after the baby animals known as the Care Bear Cubs and Care Bear Cousin Cubs. Okay. All right. I'm glad they got a a horse. A red sea serpent threatens them. Oh, man. Lots of crazy shit happens. You know how those sea serpents can be when they're red. And then there's the one where they go to Alice in Wonderland, which I, like, vaguely remember. (laughs) We have to watch these. Okay. All right. Cool. We need to watch them. Okay. So back to Riverdale. Oh, oh, okay. That (laughs) sounds fun. We should do that. You enjoyed this. Yes. Uh, Archie and Betty decide to just be friends because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Betty's going to be going through darkness and she just needs friends. She's going to need a friend. She has lots of friends. She has FYI. She has Kevin. She has Veronica. She has Jughead. She has Fig. She has Tony. She has lots of friends. Just saying. You can smooch one. You can smooch all of them. Yeah, that's what the key party was for. The party would have been much like, would have gotten much better if it wasn't, we pair off. Mm-hmm. Even though that was what, you know, Cheryl's plan was all along and what she wanted so she could get paired off with Tony. Yeah. But I feel like it would have done much better 
if it was actually just a spin the bar- bottle party. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they played like four times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you would have to actually perform a behavior in front of people. This is what causes the chaos that Cheryl said she wanted to Tabitha. All we got was Reggie kissing fangs. Yeah, yeah. And that's not chaotic. That was quite orderly, in fact. I'm thinking that they never got to the point of seeing Fang shirtless. Because oh, there's no way he would have walked away from that. That'll do it. Yeah. He's allergic to beard hair. It was just really irritating. He yeah. broke out in hives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Veronica and Chad are having an evening, and uh, they're pissed at each other. Oh, yes. Because they are in the same room, they are unhappy. Yes. Now, you really liked her dress. I thought she looked like the nanny. Like like the nanny? Like, like the eh, nanny, eh, yes. That Fran, nanny. Fran Drescher, the it nanny? It was far too close to what she wore. It was very architectural, angular. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it at all. So, uh, the next morning, uh, Jughead is having a, a shower at uh, Tabitha's. In Tabitha's awful bathroom! Oh my god, there is a shell toilet Seat. The toilet seat is in the shape of one gigantic clamshell. It's very good at ve- at being and very bad. Everything's like pastel blue and green. Oh yeah, Ugh. baby, love it. Um, so Jughead gets it out. It looks of- carpeted. It does. The tile is the color of carpet. Like really bad carpet. Yeah. Uh, so Jughead gets out of the hot, steamy shower. I'm very upset because we don't get any close-ups of his tattoos. Right. He's finally shirtless. The only one we see clearly is the, the, the serpent, serpent one on his, his shoulder. Ho-hum. But he, he you know, goes up to the mirror and does, like, a wipe of, of the glass. And, you know, it kind of feels like back when he was in the shower at the school and we're going to see, like, Archie behind him scaring the shit out of him. But no, no, no. It's the Mothman, baby. Yeah. So he obviously freaks the fuck out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, over at the Blossom household, uh, Minerva is, uh, complimenting Cheryl's portrait of her and how... as the goddess Diana. Of how, you know, Cheryl made her, her so beautiful, and that's because, you know, Cheryl is beautiful herself, and she's like, no, I'm repulsive! She's like, no, you're beautiful, smooch! Go, go ahead and smooch the lady who has all this blackmail on you. Yeah, yeah, you're never going to have a healthy relationship in your life. Nope. No, it's just nope. not happening. Over at the El Royale, Archie is washing the fire truck, and yes. Veronica comes by, and she's like, hey, I'm getting a divorce. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you know, I, in my heart of hearts, I just knew it needed to happen. And I'm like, yeah, yeah we all knew it fucking needed to happen. So, uh, I don't know what happened the rest of the scene, because I was just, uh, uh, just jumping for joy. I, I threw open the window and shouted up and down the street, They're getting a divorce! Hey, everybody, they're getting a divorce! Uh, a marching band came by. Yeah. It was very distracting. Well, I can tell you what else happened. Okay. So, uh, Archie's all like, you know, I just wanted you to be happy. You know, like, I'm just glad that you'll be happy now. She's all like, well, I know a way you can help. And he's like, wait, hold up. Betty and I hooked up. Just so you know. I think you should know. She's like, that's That's fine. fine. I don't give a shit. Let's go. And what I am pissed about. I've been watching you demo my front walls and now I need you to blow out the back walls. Come on, Archie. Let's go. They make the fuck out in front of a fire truck. And I do not get a sexy sex scene of them doing it. In the fire truck. 
On top of the fire truck. Yeah, yeah. You need somebody, like, slapping their hand and, like, bumping the, the horn or the siren. No, you, you're acting like they're going to be inside. I want them on top. You need a visual metaphor of the hose just going off and flailing. She, so one of them accidentally kicks the pump on and then it just starts going. <laughs> oh, he'll get his pump on all right. But but this just underlines, like, through this whole episode, some, sometimes... Uh, uh, tragically and sometimes not, it's an entire episode of people being honest, maybe fitfully, maybe too late, but honest and open with their, their partners in their relationships. And it just puts Cheryl in such a light, such a contrast. Yes. It, it underlines how fucking awful Cheryl Blossom is. So our last scene of this episode... Alice and Betty are at home, and they get a call, collect, and it is Polly, and she is at a payphone on the highway. The Lonely Highway. She has no idea where the hell she is, but she but she answers, oh yeah, it's definitely the Lonely Highway. The Lonely Highway is, like, Pops, it is the only highway that exists. <laughs> she doesn't know if she's north or south of them. She's definitely on the highway. I mean, maybe the Lonely Highway, we need to think of it more like the Edens. Chicago has this weird thing where we... Our, our highways have numbers. Like all highways. But, but then they have names for certain sections of them. They are referred to by the name they were dedicated under. So this stretch but, is the Dan Ryan. This stretch is the Eisenhower. But sometimes it is, like, directional, too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that the Lonely Highway is a certain four-mile stretch of, of Route 12? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Plausible. I, I will accept maybe, it. Maybe it's a little more specific like that, you know? Or like, yeah, yeah. Um, think when in Detroit, we say Woodward, like going to go cruise Woodward. That, oh. We're kind of talking about a specific area of Woodward. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking about all of Woodward. It is a, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, a few miles stretch that you're going to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's maybe what we have going on here. Okay. It, it's one of those bits of local knowledge that we, as people who do not live in the greater Riverdale, Greendale, Midvale region, do not Suburbs understand. Suburbs of New York City, apparently. Yeah. And they they go driving to try to find her. And it turns out somebody fucking hates phone booths. <laughs> somebody smashed up this phone booth. The phone booth is bleeding everywhere. We need to get this phone booth to a hospital. Does not look very good for the polypol. Polly Pocket. <laughs> Polly could fit in a pocket all that's left of her after after this. They're going to find a tooth and nothing else. And that is the end of the episode. So, dear, what did you think of Chapter 84, Lock and Key? Did it have enough Care Bear content for you? <laughs> no. I appreciate that it wasn't so whiplashy as last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I... Because that was just too much. I mean, it had one of the best emotional scenes ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am invested in some of the storylines right now. I am reminded of something we used to say about Britta London episodes when she was a staff writer for the show. Mm -hmm. How we always enjoyed hers because they, 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 they seem to recognize that at the end of the day, these were minors in high school. Yeah. This is an episode that feels like the same, but recognizing they are actual young adults making their, their way in their lives. Yes. So They're all, in their 20s. So all of the, the Riverdale madness, like, let's have a fucking key party. Why? Why not? 
only serves to underline the very real problems and uh, what, what works and often does not work in the relationships they're in. Yes. Cheryl comes in like a, a fucking cyclone of chaos, which is so fun to watch sometimes, but then just like shining a little light on it, putting it in a little more realistic contrast. She comes out looking like the, the worst sort of, of just awful, awful person. And I think that was really effective in this episode. Yeah. Oh, Cheryl. God. <laughs> it's one of those things, too, with, like, this the, the whole thing with, like, Kevin. Not that I, I condone it or want to give him sympathy, because I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, But yeah. it is the fact, like, they are, like, early 20s. Yes. He's he's committed to a baby and marriage and a lot of things he's, that... He's, what, 24, 25? He's having a baby? What? <laughs> Which, yeah, some people do, some but pe- at the same time... That's... Kevin's not one of those people. A lot of people aren't one of those yeah. people. I think it puts it more into, like, context of, like, okay, there's some shit going on here that they need to figure out. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in their early 20s. They're mid-20s. That's They're young still. They're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From a 33-year-old, you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't think so, but you are. You're a baby. You don't know shit. <laughs> I didn't know shit. Other than I did marry you and I loved you. Oh, okay. It worked out. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it works out. Didn't really call it out uh, as we went through because we had a lot to talk about, but there were some really choice shots. Uh, not the the flashy shots that we usually mention, but just really simple things like um, the way Jughead was framed on, on the edge of unconsciousness on Tabitha's couch mm-hmm. was just really like effective framing and lighting. Like, I don't know... I can't really describe it, but it, it was just right. It, it was yeah. just right. Yeah. In, was... in a way that TV often isn't, but good films often are. I feel like they've been doing um, more interesting shots, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. this season. And I wonder if some of that just has to do with some, like, the fact that they're already, like, doing some of these storylines with the, you know, trash bag killer and <laughs> Mothman that makes you do more, like, interesting shots mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the suspense. But I feel like there's, like... The whole, like, coming around the truck. Or, yeah, the the TBK nightmare, for a more flashy example, really, really effective uh, horror scene. Even if, by the time you're halfway through it, you're thinking, no, this is a nightmare. She's not really there. But the visual of it and the construction of it is, it's good horror. It's a good jump scare. It's good. Fucking scary. Great design on the Mothman, on the living Mothman and the the Moth Mummy. Love Love them both. This episode could have been bigger, weirder, wilder. It could have been more in your face, like some of the the most entertaining Riverdales are. But I think if it were, it would have detracted from what this episode did exceptionally well. Yeah. I'm not going to say I I miss those elements too much when uh, I don't think Fangs and Kevin would have landed the same if there were a real TBK sequence, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, the... The focus was more on real things in this, even yeah, though we had yeah. that stuff going on, or the Mothman thing. But it was still like the stuff with that was focused on like Jughead trying to figure out like, is this real? Am is, I nuts? Yeah. Do I even want to know what's going on in my head? <laughs> Am I going to address the fact that I'm drinking away my problems? He's not to the point of even asking that question. Nope, yet. We aren't there yet. We are not there yet. You know what we have reached. Hmm. Our latest, greatest, and newest segment. It is time to ask once again, where are, th- where were they then? But not about a, a student. No, no. It is time to ask about one of our favorite adult characters, Darlin. Edgar Evernever. Where were they then? Edgar, buddy. 
Well, last time we saw him... He was blasting off away and allegedly being shot dead by Alice Smith. He's not dead. He's fucking dead. Would you like to go first? I agree with you that Edgar Evernever is still alive and walks among us. Mm-hmm. What I think happened was uh, uh, his death was arranged by himself and Alice and the person that connects them all, FBI agent Charles Smith. Because remember, Charles was the agent in charge of, like, the farm operation who Alice was reporting to as an undercover, if you will recall. So the plan was that Edgar climbed into the rocket, and so when it was taken into evidence, that is how he got smuggled uh, into a building and not into captivity from which he escaped. Oh. Inside his rocket. Oh. This whole, the whole time, the whole time uh, uh, we knew him, Edgar and Charles were in fact working together. We're, we're not on opposite sides of the law. They were colleagues, you might say. Uh, Edgar was saving troubled souls while Charles was punishing sinners. Oh. Uh, oh. Sometimes Charles would find somebody who could be put on the straight and narrow and he'd send him to, to Edgar. And Edgar would find someone who uh, didn't fit the, the farm's rehabilitative uh, process and uh, w- would send somebody for Charles to execute in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Now that Charles is in prison, though, Edgar is free to run the farm exactly how he wants. He's under a new name. He he has a, a total freedom uh, to to uh, do whatever his final end game was. He doesn't have to he, he doesn't have to maintain this charade to you know keep the thing going. He he's just let loose, Edgar Unchained, farming it up somewhere. Oh, okay. What have you got for me, dear? Mine mine's not as well thought out as you, so <laughs> you're gonna have to go on this roller coaster with me. Okay. Okay. I. Definitely do not think Edgar died. Um, It'd be a pretty short segment if he did. <laughs> what do you mean? Alice shot him. She would never lie. Alice thought she was shooting him. Oh. It was really blanks. Oh. Okay. Like okay. it was. It was. It was all faked. He like took took something in there to make it seem like he passed out or whatnot. He had squids. Yeah. It was all. It was all a thing though that they're like, yeah, okay, this is what's gonna go down, and I gotta get my big escape because they're on to me. Mm-hmm, Obviously, mm-hmm. my rocket's not gonna work. I'm sure Evelyn was involved in in all yeah, the setup. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He he got away, laid low for a little while. You know, gotta gotta make sure everyone like thinks he's actually dead. So. The Mothman. <laughs> so the Mothman. <laughs> you know, the Mothman, it's, you know, people are like, oh man, I wish they'd take me back into the light. Yes. People it's, love the Mothman. It's just another type of cult. Ah. Right? And we talked about how the Mothman might actually be like drug hallucinations. Sure, right? sure. It, so, it's something on Jughead's mind. Yeah. So what if Edgar here... I guess this is a little more prediction-y than what he's actually been doing, but we're combining the worlds here. Edgar's behind it. He's like, okay, people aren't buying the traditional cult, the alternative spiritual community. Yeah, that's so passe. Like, we're, you know, that's had some bad headlines recently. We gotta, we gotta approach this a different way. So he finds those old Mothman stories and he's like, you know what? This is perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going, so he spent some time over the years perfecting a new drug. Okay. It's jet trails. That's how he's drugging the town. <laughs> Let's go for chemtrails. 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 Yes. Let's go for full conspiracy stories <laughs> of the crazy people. Okay, chemtrails. I'm gonna get my orgone pyramid. 
Gotta and protect so, myself. So he's dropping. That's his... why Archie's safe. He has so much sex power. Yeah. Yes. So he's he's dropping the drugs across the areas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which also explains why not everyone is experiencing these, because it's by the time they kind of like particle down and who's exposed and who's not and uh, when. <laughs> this is how Riverdale tries to tackle environmental racism. Yes. Yeah. What he is doing is, you know, calling the followers, basically, of the Mothmen, and eventually he will appear as the leader of the Mothmen, and they will come to him and be his Uh, new cult. Okay, okay. So Edgar is just plotting, he's living, he's getting ready, he's getting more chiseled, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so he can look like a (laughs) Mothman. He was pretty chiseled already. So chiseled. You you were well smitten with, with Mr. Murray, Mr. Michael Murray. That's why I want him to come back. <laughs> so we, we have had a bit of a, a transitional period. Let's say we are fully in predictions now. Okay. I believe that uh, Ms. Marble is totally after the Blossom Fortune. Oh, yeah. Or perhaps just their, their lands, the trees. <gasps> Maybe both. Maybe the only fortune that's left is the trees, frankly. That, that's how Cheryl would, would put it. She's working for Hiram. She's working for Hiram she's to get them trees? For, yeah. yeah. And what she's going to do is she's going to make Cheryl fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. They're going to get married. And she's going to take half the trees in the divorce. <laughs> well, or what? This is going to happen, but then it's going to come to light. And Tony is going to like be the one to be like, Cheryl, you can't marry a woman you just met. Oh, no, no, no. They, they get married, and so uh, Marble has the, the uh, legal power to commit Cheryl against her will yeah. and then seize all, all communal assets. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... Wouldn't be the first time for Cheryl. <laughs> no. Another prediction I had, because apparently I'm just like, how many different uh, theories can I have about how everything's connected? Yes. Skeletruck. Skeletruck. Trashbag killer. Mm-hmm. Mothman. Yeah. All the same thing. All the same. You think TBK is driving the Skeletruck? <laughs> no. I think it's a big conspiracy with that military base. Okay. All right. All of it. Let me tell you what I have written down. Domestic terrorism. Jughead used to party with someone who is connected with the military research outside Riverdale. There you go. Back in his New York bin- binging pills days. He, he was a test subject His in New York. first blackouts were part of the cover-up. He heard some chatter, or somebody thought he heard some chatter, and they had to take care of things. That's yeah. why he had blackouts in New York. We're on the same page here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the reason TBK covers his face with, the, uh, uh, with his trademark TB... Uh, uh, is because he was disfigured by the military experiments that drove him mad. That looks a lot like Mothman. It looks a lot like a Mothman under there. Yeah. Yeah, and now he's driven to murderous madness. We are totally on the same Right? It's, it's all right? This, it's a huge conspiracy thing. And here's the other part of that. Yeah. Is that Betty's uh, boyfriend dude mm-hmm. is Agent, in on it all. Agent Glenn. Yeah, him. Glenn. Glenn. Um, he's in on it. He's he's covering up for them. He's he's military. I'm not gonna get to say Chad much longer, so I gotta say Glenn. He is a mole. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, which is why he's always like, no, don't worry about it. We got it, because he's covering everything up. He's taking care of everything. He is a Fed, after all. You cannot trust him. Well, yeah. So let's move right along to our next bit of business, talking about what we absolutely do know. Uh, Riverdale returns next week with Chapter 85, Destroyer. 
This is named for a, a 2018 independent film about a uh, about a lady cop, Nicole Kidman, who uh, destroys her entire life in order to uh, uh, track down and solve a, a cold case that uh, uh, she has a personal connection to. Uh, in, in this case, it is a gang of bank robbers. However, that ties in very closely with what we saw in that trailer. Betty going after the trash bag killer, to, or, well, going after whoever is kidnapping and killing women. Yes. Specifically Polly. She falls down a Polly hole. This, this entire trailer... FBI agent Betty saving her sister. Yeah, it, it is about her, her single-minded focus and devotion. A lot of it is in black and white. That's how you know it's serious. Oh, yeah. And and she's having a lot of flashes to moments of Polly's life or, or flashes to what Betty is imagining Polly is going through in her captivity, in her escape. As she runs away from Skeletruck. Yes, yes. It is a very single-minded trailer of Betty falling down the Polly hole. That's all we got. That's all we got. That's all we got there. So thank you again for joining us on yet another episode of Sex Archie. This was fun. I had fun tonight. Good. I'm glad you didn't get too upset about the Care Bears. Who could be upset? They care so much. They care and they stare. That can be upsetting. The stare? (laughs) It's not polite to stare. The Care Bears stare? (laughs) Or they're going to save you with their tummies? I love a good tummy. Saw a couple of good tummies. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I would be remiss to not mention on Thursday the 18th, the evening of Thursday the 18th, CBR.com published an article called Riverdale Theory, Tony's Baby Secretly Has Two Dads, uh, where where the writer, let's see, this went up about 4 p.m. Central Time, saying basically what you've been saying, dear... Ever for, since for weeks. Ever since Tony showed up pregnant, yeah. the dads are probably jointly Kevin and Fangs. Kevin and Fangs. And which the episode that aired uh, less than 24 hours before this article was posted very <laughs> explicitly said was true. Yeah. I t- My hope is that this was an automatic upload and somebody got the date wrong when they scheduled it. Right? It's it's so bizarre. Like, it's it's nice to know we're ahead of the curve of, of people who are paid to make these uh, uh, predictions, but it's very strange to see predictions lag behind the actual facts. What I love is they say, admittedly, we don't have much hard evidence to add to this theory yet. <laughs> Except for their actual spoken words. Like, <laughs> I'm just, like, looking to see is this, like... Was this edited at some point? <laughs> and maybe, like, the date got wrong? Like, this is so weird. Like, yeah, I can hope that that was supposed to go up, like, three days ago or something. But it didn't. <laughs> you know, their Twitter account doesn't have a tweet about this. Well, hmm. I wonder <laughs> if they took that down. <laughs> huh. Of, of nerd news sites, CBR is Okay. And I know how hard it is to be a writer for these places. I really do believe it is a technical mistake, but it's a fucking funny one. Like, it's a really dumb one. We have no hard evidence about this thing that was totally confirmed on TV 24 hours ago. Like, I I know how hard it is to have this beat. Like, you have a target on your back for some real fucked up weirdos. But I just want to (laughs) say, it's okay to laugh at this one in good faith. It's funny. Yeah. 
you have something else you want to say before we close out? <laughs> yeah, uh, something completely unrelated. Well, not completely unrelated. Uh, I want to point everybody to a new album that went up recently. I, I'm so sorry I didn't mention it last week when, when it was uh, uh, newer, but uh, International Cyber Truck Anthems by Internet Friends. Internet Friends is, a, a, uh, is the name of a collaboration between two rappers, one of which is the guy responsible for our current theme music. Hey! J.W. Friedman, the artist occasionally known as Satellite High, and now, uh, <laughs> on one album and perhaps more in the future, half of Internet Friends. It's very good. It's a four-song EP about, well, nominally about the Cybertruck, but it's just hilarious. Uh, uh, just great wordplay, really intricate rhymes about the two of them saying really dumb shit. <laughs> you will be surprised how many times one of them reminds you he does not know how to read. <laughs> there was a physical release, a limited pressing of 50 cassettes, I think think they're all sold out, but if I'm wrong, you want one of these cassettes. They're very good. Yeah. So, with that, you should should do all the wrap-up stuff. You, you should do all the wrap-up stuff. You should leave us you know a the, review. Know what, you know what the wrap-up stuff is. Tell you know, friends. You know what Twitter. You know what your job is. You know what you're responsible yeah. for. Our job is to make the stuff and send it to you, and yeah. now it's, t it's time for the reciprocal acts, and you know what those acts are. So with that, I'm Elena, I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, Sexual Switcheroo! <laughs> <laughs>